With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world. All alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own. The crow flies straight. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson. I hope everyone has had a great week. It's hump day, Wednesday. We're almost to Friday, so everybody enjoy us. Enjoy us tonight. We're going to be on for a little while to discuss some important topics in sports. Trey, Trey, a lot's going on, man, and especially in your neck of the woods. We're going to talk about that. Florida State's back in the news. A lot of arrests in college football, Major League Baseball. After a couple of weeks, Trey, I want to know if you're ready to, to pick your World Series winner. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How's it going on your end? Oh, it's going good. It was below freezing last night, and now it's it's warming up again. I don't know. My sinuses are acting up, so if you can't understand me tonight, that could be part to blame. <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy weather down here in the south for sure. Well, let's let's just jump right into this since it's since you're a big Florida State supporter, you're an attorney as well. You know the feds are getting involved now in Florida State really their lack of the way they're handling these investigations, especially the Winston uh, rape. I mean, I, I don't know, Trey. What do you think is going on right now? Do you agree with the way Florida State handled the investigations from what you've read so far? Do you have any opinion? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, with any investigation in this regard, it's pretty easy to sit back and, as an attorney, and go, okay, what I have done things this way, and I can. there's a lot of things that I would say uh, no to that, um, but you know that's a different answer. If you're asking me, you know, first of all, when we say the feds, um, you know, that that's a, a huge amalgus institution, which really doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I mean, you know, the feds are the BLM folks who are raiding that ranch in, in Nevada. The feds are the FBI who investigated, you know, all kinds of athletes and Roger Clemens and Cam Newton and you name it. I mean, so. And, and I don't really know a whole lot about the investigation right now to really know what it is they're sort of pinpointing. I think we all have, um, and we all can agree that, you know, the situation was handled pretty pretty poorly from the investigative standpoint, um, no matter who you're looking at. I think uh, it could have been handled better. Whether that changes the outcome, I don't know. Um, I don't think any of us know that. But there's absolutely a lot of things you could say about, you know, the, the, the police department in, in Tallahassee and, and how they handled it. And, and I want everybody to, that's listening now to – we're not making this about Winston. I just want people to realize we have no idea what happened that night. And and all, all we're talking about here is the way it was handled, the way Florida State, the university, should have handled it, and the way the police should have handled it. This has nothing to do with Winston, whether he raped somebody or not. I, I don't think we'll ever know that, Trey. I, I can go ahead and tell you, Winston will not ever get in – any kind of trouble because of this, but perception 
could be hurt here if it comes out that, that Florida State, you know, covered something up. But I, I look, I read that off the New York Times today, and the one thing that concerned me was the, the policeman, the way they contacted Winston on the phone and asked for an interview. And he said he has baseball practice, that he'd get back with him soon, and his lawyers called. Trey, if you're not hiding anything, maybe the way I look at it, if, if you have nothing to hide, why wouldn't you talk to them? Why wouldn't you go talk to them face-to-face? That's what I have a problem. The police never went face-to-face with him. They called him on the phone. It just looked like they didn't want to handle it that way. And, and it's not just Winston. These are other cases that they're looking into in the last couple of years that were handled poorly by Florida State. And, and Trey, there's a rule that says you have to report this this to the feds. And they never did. So I have a I have a sneaky feeling that there's more to this than Winston. Well, I mean, I think there's a there's a push actually, and it's more I think Florida State may be the sort of push uh, to sort of open some of these colleges' doors because it's not just um, you're right. I think uh, it's not just one case and it's not just one school. I, I think that uh, if you look back at some of the the commentary on a lot of how these investigations have been handled at universities in general. And then you look at how universities handle a lot of things. I think with this player push to unionize, with a lot of these NCAA rules being attacked, I think that people are wanting to get behind these institutions and really sort of get to the bottom of what goes on there. And that's including the, the way the investigation was handled at Florida State. That's including you know, Dabo Sweeney and, and his, you know, whether or not he's proselytizing or forcing students to have religious views. I mean, there's a lot going on with basically trying to get through these universities and how whether or not um, they really sort of hide the ball or sort of take care of their own. I mean, we don't know a lot of that right now. I think people are trying to get uh, sort of beyond that sort of precipice of, um, you know, integrity of the universities. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Trey, and, I, and from what I've read, and, and this is the New York Times here. This is, I mean, they, they've screwed up so many different stories. And yeah. the, the, I, mean, I mean, I could sit here and count all day and sit here and tell you, but the thing I look at it is the police department for Florida State, if what I read is true, they, they all need to be fired. Anybody involved in this, the way they handled it, I mean, you got to be smarter than that. Podunk City Town Police can can handle it better than that. So maybe it's just a point. These guys being lazy, even if they had done their job 100%, it doesn't mean Winston did anything wrong. It just means they need to to get off their lazy butt tray and do something. And again, this is not just Winston in Florida State here. This has, I mean, this is just one of them. There's several that they've done this with. So it's not like they they've been yeah. diligent in doing their job up until Winston. They were lazy before and they're lazy after, Trey. I think they need to clean house in Tallahassee all over the place. Well, I mean, you, you brought up some good points, and I think it's fair. Um, and, and here's and being in the military and dealing with sexual assault, and I'll, I'll use uh, someone who's smarter than me's comment on this, and that's one of the top generals in the Air Force when it came to, to, lead, to sort of you know, prosecuting this kind of crime is you got to be careful when the pendulum swings so far off to the left over, you know, everyone's a victim and we can't certainly um, attack the credibility of people who make allegations and you can't attack and you everything in the investigation comes under scrutiny. you got to be careful going sort of that far to the left 
because eventually the pendulum swings very far to the right, and we certainly never would want to have it go back to sort of the good old days where people can get away with very, um, you know, uh, violent offenses uh, when it comes to the sexual assault realm. So I think we, we need to look into this kind of stuff, absolutely, and making sure that, you know, honest victims are believed and honest investigations are conducted. And I think um, and I think that's what we all really uh, should be trying to get to in all these scenarios, whether it's Jameis Winston or whether it's anybody else. No one should be above the law when it comes to this. Yep. Well, I'll tell you this, Trey, and I'm, I'm never raped anyone, never planned to, but if I was going to do something like that, if I was Winston, I wouldn't bring two buddies with me in a cab, <laughs> and I wouldn't yeah. let one of them record it while it was going on, you know? I mean, you, you have to start thinking outside the box here, and the, I'd give Winston some advice is quit hanging out in clubs, quit, you know, quit drinking in clubs and taking women home with you, especially when you're you're in the spotlight like he is. I mean, Florida State's a huge football town, and now he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He needs to keep himself out of trouble, Trey. That's the advice I'm going to give him. Stay away from all of this trouble because look at Ben Roethlisberger. Anytime you're out there and people know it, you know, who you are, that makes you right there. I mean, you're at risk. Right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, and I, I think um, you, you got to say to these these athletes, um, and, and I think we need to say it as a society that uh, they aren't to be idolized and they're not heroes because they play a game, uh, which doesn't which you know, absolutely correlates to them not being above any sort of criminal activity. Um, at the same point, you know, I, I'll say the the pendulum on the other side, and while it's not as serious as a defense, Tarvin. Uh, some of the stuff I'm seeing going on at like Texas A&M, where they seem to be arresting football players almost because they are football players, um, to me seems ridiculous too. So I mean, yeah, these guys have to be held accountable the same way we hold anybody else accountable because just because they're athletes. But I don't think you should be picking on them. I mean, Tarvin. I mean, one of the Texas A&M guys was arrested for cursing, and that's that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Man, I'd, I'd be locked up every day, man. <laughs> If that was, hey, how many of those how, how, how many of those cops are really Texas Longhorn fans that are pissed off that Texas A and M is doing so well? I mean, yeah, that's the problem too. I mean, you got to say, you know, um, you got to be fair with how you do these laws, and any any uh, law enforcement agent, uh, prosecutor, whatever who, who's not doing that doesn't need to be doing their job. We should get somebody else because you know no one should be protected because they play football. But also, no one should be sort of uh, punished extra hard because they are either. I just got a report in. Trey Auburn will win the 2013 national championship. You know, Florida State's going to hand them that trophy. What are your thoughts? Uh, sounds like you're, uh, Auburn's trying to claim another trophy already. Uh, no, I've, I've already heard to... several. I've already <laughs> I've already heard several people say that, Trey. Several people I've heard already say. Well, Auburn will win a national championship now. I don't think it's going to work like that, do you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, here's the thing, and I go back to this with, like, USC and Reggie Bush. I mean, I hate taking away anything um, that happens in the field. You can't go back and redo anything. The game's happened, and we all got to get over it. Um, and I, I think the, the NCAA, the, way that, the reason they do that kind of stuff is just, um, it's shady, and I think it sort of uh, almost obfuscates their own um, their own handling of these situations. They take, you know, Reggie Bush, they take four to five years, and they penalize them that far out. Come on, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, either you, either you penalize 
the future stuff and say this, you know, you take away the incentive to do it, um, but you don't do this post stuff. I, I can't stand it at Harvard, and it's one of the NCAA things that just drives me crazy. Well, I have a question, Trey. You remember the guy that bet a lot of money? He bet like 100 bucks on Auburn to win the national championship. Well, he lost because they lost to Florida State. What if Florida State lost their championship? Would the guy actually, would the bookie pay him <laughs> all of that money? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting. I can see him at the casino, like at the, you know, at the desk there, trying to argue with the guy about, uh, well, no, man, I win now, right? Then all of a sudden he gets taken down to a dark basement and, <laughs> and uh, incentivized to, to drop it. Well, well, Trey, I just heard we have Nostradamus on the line. I'm bringing them on. Nostradamus, you're away in sports talk. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not Nostradamus, only in the fact that, well, put it like this. I am Nostradamus, and I am here calling out the Nostradamuses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is what I call them because you, you and Trey and how you doing, Trey? By the way, hey, how's it going? How you doing, sweetie? But all of us see on Facebook, we're in several groups, and we know that here we go with the oh, FSU is gonna get hammered. FSU is gonna do this. The COI is gonna do that. The same people say that each and every time. Right now, they're at over because six yeah. months. ago, was Alabama DJ Fluker. Oh, Alabama's going to oh, go yeah. down before the end of the year. Before that, it was Oregon. Uh-huh. Oh, man. They're, no, they're going to fire Chip Kelly. Uh, he's not going to coach for the Eagles and blah, 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 all of this. Before that, let's all, you know, we can, we can make a list. But the mm-hmm. thing is what you realize, you have to let things play out. You never know. And as much as we all want to sit here and pretend that we're Perry Mason slash whatever uh, <laughs> Angela Lansbury's character was, in Murder, She Wrote, we don't know. You know, we don't know what wasn't done correctly. We don't know what was done correctly. We can't sit here. We can guess. We can offer an opinion. But for some people to sit here and actually say for a fact, oh, no, this is this is what they're going to do, people, stop, okay? If, if you were a psychic, first of all, you would know the winning lottery numbers and would not be sitting here <laughs> listening to us. Or you'd be in Vegas. Yeah, you'd be somewhere <laughs> spending that money. So just let it well, happen. Let them do their thing. But I do want to say this. People also should always, always, always go to the source. You can go to the NCAA COI site, and you can see what cases they're working on, what investigations that they've um, um, wrapped up. You can pretty much keep track there. The other thing is, as of last year with the whole Miami debacle, they fired – all of their investigators except for one. Now, that was, you know, I'd say October, November last year, so I'm sure they've hired some more since then. But just think of all the things those people have to do first before they can hit the ground running. So this is why I try to tell people, the COI is not as powerful as they used to be, so that the fear is not there. And that's another reason that I believe a lot more schools feel comfortable bending the rules because they know that that once powerful COI is not there. And I think there's a battle now between the COI trying to prove that they're still powerful and, you know, the schools saying, no, you're not. So that's my two things. Yeah. Well, Sonia, Sonia, I'm, I'm, Sonia, I'm still trying to find the bag man. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, too, Tarvin, is they're getting soft, so the risk-reward is worth it. 
Yeah. Hey, so let me ask you this. Uh, you brought up a great point, and I think with all this litigation, at, at, you know, going after the NCAA, uh, they can't lose the backing of these conferences, especially the power conferences. Right. With, you know, the SEC and these power schools. And if, if say, let's say if Florida State and Alabama and Auburn, let's say, say three schools right there, decided they were sick of the NCAA and, and these stupid violations and all this, I mean, they start, you start pulling out conferences from the NCAA, and, I mean, then, then they're done. And, exactly. And then, so there, there is a huge power vacuum there. The NCAA is trying to strike this balance of holding people accountable but also doing it in a way that they can't really take off anybody. And that's why, in a lot of ways, they are kind of having to go soft now because, I mean, they're, they're sort of fighting a war on nine fronts right now. And the NCAA, is, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, Sonia, what you think, but I think we're getting to a point where the NCAA might be done. I, I totally agree with you, Trey. And the thing is, and I believe you, you and I and Tarvin and Jason had this discussion uh, maybe early, the early part of last year. I think it was when um, Oregon was going mm-hmm. through their thing. And people were mistakenly thinking in, in our groups that I was on, you know, on the COI side. And I'm like, no, I am totally anti-COI. And the main reason is because I followed their cases closely. And it was basically, uh, you know, a personal vendetta type thing. You know, mm-hmm. if you then they would give you a little slap on the wrist or turn their head. But if you challenged them, it was like, who are you? I'm going to make an example out of you. And they took that power and abused it. So a lot of players, a lot of schools, a lot of teams suffered from the COI, you know, turning into, you know, the dog on the leash that nobody could control. Yeah, but, but I totally get what you're saying now is because teams are fighting back, and they, they, you, you are so right. You hit it dead on. We can all blame SMU for that. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why the NCAA – Cop that attitude is because of SMU. Because of any school that deserved what they got, <clears throat> SMU deserved it because they were so arrogant. Yep. Yeah. They started it. Exactly. I totally agree with Jason. I mean, we're not, I'm sorry, we're not trying to hijack your show, but this is. I've, you guys are talking, and I'm like, oh my god, they're. I bo- I so it's, agree it's, with. It's you. A, it's a, it shows about about <clears throat> the listeners and people wanting to weigh in, Sonia. We, I don't have an agenda. Okay. Well, I just wanted you guys to know I was sitting there and I was, like, clapping when both of you were talking because I totally got where Trey was coming from. And then being an FSU alum, for him to be, you know, he's being objective, but he's also making sense. It's like, come on now. But on the other side, just as Tarvin was, I mean, just as you were saying, Tarvin, I haven't read everything word for word, but I've read some of the blurbs and the updates. And if some of that stuff is true, you kind of just have to go, are you kidding me? But it's over. It's over. Yeah, it's nothing to do with Winston. Like, that's what I want people to realize. This is about how you handle. This is, like, what you do. What's your protocol? What are your procedures? You know, and and that's what I look at with Florida State, the police department, anybody. You have to treat this serious, but you can't go and ruin somebody's name because some girl says that so-and-so raped her. I mean, you can't do that because I put myself in Winston's shoes right now, and I'm sitting there thinking – what if I didn't do that and it was consensual or something and now everybody's talking about me? I mean, that could crush that kid, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. One repu- and it's- and, it, and you can't prove it now. It's over. There's nothing that could come out that could prove this unless Winston came out and said, hey, I raped this girl. There's nothing they can do now. It's over. You're so right. And on the opposite side, too, what it really, what I hate about these cases is not only that it happened or, you know, that the crime occurred, if it, if it was a crime, 
But there are so many who want to cry, you know, cry wolf because they want to get back at the guy or, you know what I mean? And you, uh, who was the kid last year, the one that got locked up when he was in high school, he spent all this time in jail and when he got out, I think, uh, was it the Hawks that signed him? Or not the Hawks, the Falcons that signed him? You guys remember the one that spent all that time in jail and the girl recanted? The Falcons, I believe. Well, do you remember? You do, but you recall the case, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, see, that's yes, what I'm saying. So here's this guy whose entire life was affected by one lie. He was labeled a rapist. None of it was true. And they investigated it, and boom, they, they take her word for it. Okay, same case, different times. And I, I totally feel for you. It's like, okay, whether he's guilty or innocent, only they know that. But in some people's eyes, he will always be guilty. And in other people's yep. eyes, he will never be completely innocent. So either way, he's like Cam Newton. It's like Cam Newton. People say, oh, he got paid. And some people say he didn't. It was never proven. But, you know, I mean, we, we all know he did. But, I mean, you can't prove it, and, you know, half the people think he did, half the people think he didn't. I mean, his his reputation's tarnished because of that regardless. Yep, it's stigma. And what I love about Cam, even though this all of this was Auburn, but I'm always, you know me, I'm all about fairness and objectivity. If that man is not guilty, if he was proved, if investigation proves he's not guilty, may God bless him. That is why I'm so glad to see him have so much success, because it's almost like he's, you know, giving the middle finger to his haters. But at the same time, it also shows you, I don't care what you personally think, it's what the evidence. It's all about the evidence. And, and Trey, as a lawyer, I'm sure that you, you've had this drilled into your head, too. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it is, uh, you know, it, it's like a lot of things. Obviously, when you're talking about things that we really don't know all the evidence, and you can, some of these things obviously are online a little bit, and you can read up on it, but then then also is, you know, the rules of evidence which apply in each state and there's the federal rules and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, some of the stuff you can obviously slant to a certain way depending on how it's written, um, but, you know, it is what yeah. happens in, in the courtroom and what can actually be proved. I mean, if someone said something, uh, you know, there's there's a reason that we have, you know, hearsay rules and what comes in and hearsay and what doesn't. So, you just, I mean, a lot of times you got to take some of this stuff with a grain of salt, but I guess my point with a lot of this is you know, we have to be very careful when it comes to these investigations because you are, you do have a lot of, you know, the constitutional rights of a person is being accused, and you, and you certainly have a constitution for a reason. But obviously, we should never get into a blaming a victim type of thing either. I mean, you have to, and that's why the the process is so important, is because we do trust it to make sure that if someone comes forward, you know, and and it's a real allegation that we don't just dismiss it because we've seen bad ones before because we have to trust the process. If the process is good, then we always trust the outcome, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing I, I'm, getting, I'm getting at with this investigation is if we don't trust the process, then it's really hard to trust whatever happened afterwards. Exactly. So true. Exactly. Boom. Trey just, Trey just knocked it out of the park. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't you can't, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Like Trey said it perfect. I mean, you can spin this to read, you know, to influence whoever's reading it, what you want them to do. But I, I do think Florida State, you know, the feds being involved in this, I think it shows that Florida State probably didn't do their due diligence and do this according to protocol. And I think that's why they're coming in. After what happened at Penn State, you, you can't take this stuff for granted. You have to hold these uh, presidents, 
everybody accountable for what they do. The police department has to hold themselves accountable. Everybody just needs to do their job, and you won't have this crap happening as much. If people do what they're supposed to do, this could be put to bed in a few weeks instead of now, here it is, April, and now we're talking about it again. Exactly, Tarvin. It's because everyone's bored because it's the off season. Yeah, and people want to find stuff. Um, I posted about it today. There are still some people. When when did um, Auburn win that championship? 2010, wasn't it? Yep. And it's April 16, 2014, and still <laughs> people are like, no, they're going to reopen the investigation. They're going to, no. It's closed. People. It's closed, people. If, oh, if you know right. anything about investigations, uh, Auburn and Cam Newton is closed and it cannot be opened again. Yeah, it's like, come on. And I, I just have to hold up a scoreboard that says dead horse, 1 million, 9 million, <laughs> you mm. know, 1,900,042 results of beating dead horse, still zero. <laughs> yeah. Just let yeah, it go. Cam, but this, Cam Newton. Cam, Cam could come out, guys. Cam could come out tonight and say, Auburn paid me $180,000, and they funneled it through my brother. And you know what? There's nothing the NCAA could do anymore because it's over. The, it's statue, the time statue is over with. You cannot come back. I mean, it's just the way it is. And I know Trey would be happy to hear him come out and admit it, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tarvin, let me ask you this, Sonia, and I got you guys on the line here. You know, we're talking about the Jameis Winston investigation, and, and, and we know that that – you know the prosecution has looked at the evidence as they see fit, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're going to—they've done what they're going to do. But you know, all this attention is on this, and, and I guess this is one of the interesting points that you know you talk about media spin and you talk about this because I mean, obviously Jameis Winston, somebody we all know, and um, he's very famous now. But there's an out, there's more than an allegation going on at Vanderbilt, and, and we're not hearing about that. And there were coaches and subpoenas and of you know cell phone records and. You know, actually, three football players are going forward to trial, and you have all this stuff, and nobody seems to be wanting to talk about that. And that seems to be a little bit more serious when it comes to. And I know um, because you actually have players who are charged, and you have plus some of the institutional things we're talking about with Florida State are kind of at issue with Vanderbilt as well with some of the coaches. So, you know, to me, it's just kind of weird that you know the one that is going forward is not being talked about. You are so correct. Vanderbilt sucks, Sonia. That's why. Vanderbilt's not in the. Uh, they, they, I mean, they are. They suck. That's why they're. And, that, and that's about. the deal. Now that James Franklin is gone, Vanderbilt is now the who cares of the SEC, as they always were. <laughs> the only reason if Vanderbilt had won the SEC championship, even if they didn't win a national championship, if if Vanderbilt had actually gotten something out of that momentum, then they would be quote unquote newsworthy. But Knowing how the media works, I'm just going to be honest, no, they're not newsworthy. Not yet. They will be on a slow day. Trust me. You will see it somewhere. On a slow day, you will see some story about Vanderbilt. But right now, <laughs> the hot news is FSU, national champs, you know, recruiting like crazy. James is Winston, you got all of this attention on FSU. The next, uh, uh, who was it that just got out of trouble um, or just got all their verdicts? UNC. All right, all we heard was little spots and tidbits, but you didn't see anybody talking about UNC the way they were talking about FSU or the way they were talking about Oregon and Bama. It's because those programs are high profile. Sad, but true. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn was never mentioned until they they got good again, and they were 9-0, and then all of a sudden 
here they are trying to take them down. And Oregon, Chip Kelly, you know, all they do is cheat now. Now Florida State's turn. Be careful, fans out there. If your team's mediocre, be careful about wanting to be very good because as soon as you do, as soon as you get to that level, it's time to to open up Pandora's box. But, you know, it's all it, it all matters how good you are. That's all that really matters. If if SMU right now does something, it may get attention because they were in the past and everybody knows the story. But, but Jason, you're on the line. If Minnesota got in trouble right now, what, what you wouldn't would hear a damn really thing. come of it? You you wouldn't. But but I guarantee if Minnesota was ten and two next year, you would, right? Wait, Tarvin, we're having technical difficulties. We're going to call you back. If you can hear okay. us, we're going to call you right back, Tarvin. Okay. Okay. But Trey, if it's Trey, that's what matters, you know. I mean, how good are you? Florida State never in the media as much until Winston showed up, and here they are undefeated, you know, about to play, go into the ACC championship. Remember when this all broke, Trey? It wasn't when it first happened. It was when Florida State was waiting to play in the ACC championship game or close to that. It was a couple of weeks out when everybody knew Florida State was not going to lose. Yeah, well, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, there is timing issues with all this, but it's like a, it's like, man, I keep going back to this. If we trust the process, if we trust the people involved, they're going to truly investigate it, and they're going to you know clear the folks who need to be cleared and prosecute the folks who don't. Um, but then then this is not a not a, a less, much less of a story if Jameis Winston's not charged. But because we don't know that, uh, and that's where we are, I think it's just something that we we have to hold these folks accountable. And I agree with you, man. It's not about Jameis Winston. I think we have a resolution when it comes to that. You know, what's you know, whether you like it or not. You know, Jameis Winston is is not going to be charged, and, and you know, and we have to consider him innocent um, because that's what people involved are saying. But we don't have to trust the process. I think that's the problem. Well, Trey, while we have Sonya and Jason back, and and I want we're in college football. Alabama's in the news here lately a lot. You you know, one of the quarterbacks. I'm trying to think of his name. It was a ex-coach's son, I believe. He transferred, and he came out and said that Saban didn't honor his scholarship. Sonia, uh, catch us up on what's going on in Alabama right now with this. Uh, well, first of all, sorry about that. And let me let Jason finish his statement because we got turned off, got um, <laughs> disconnected. Yeah, all I was going to say, Tarvin, is you wouldn't hear about it for the Gophers. And even if they went 10-2, and two, you still wouldn't hear about it. Because <clears throat> in my opinion – it's like Trey said. I mean, Florida State's in the spotlight. You know, Alabama's in the spotlight. Auburn is in the spotlight. You know, teams like mine, even Vanderbilt, stuff can happen. It'll just show up in the local news. It doesn't make headlines. <laughs> it never does. You know, our basketball program back in the day with Dutcher, players raping stuff and getting arrested, I mean – you still didn't hear about it. So, I mean, that's yeah. all, all my thing is. I feel bad for FSU. I mean, it's it, this is done. <laughs> I'm not even paying attention. Okay, I just wanted him to get that out. Now, back to what you were saying. You were talking about Luke Del Rio. And, yes, that's his name. And, yeah, Luke Del Rio. And the thing is, first of all, I wish him the best of luck. This, is, this kid is great, okay? <laughs> this is a good – this kid's great. So, you know, OSU is getting a great player. But as far as honoring the scholarship and all of that and him making the statement, because I know when you posted it and you um, you tagged me, you asked me what I thought about it, and I was like, I totally agree with him. It is a business decision. 
And the reason being, anybody who does not realize that college football is no longer a sport needs to get their head out of their behind and out of the sand. College football ceased being a sport when when college football had P and L statements. Okay, <laughs> sorry. You are a if you have a P and L profit and loss statement, you are a business. If you are tracking any sort of revenue, college football is a business. It was a business decision. He knew based on him being there and who he talked to that nine times out of ten he was not going to start. So he made a decision for his career. Bama made a decision for their business, which it is. And guess what? Every team of every listener, your coach is doing the exact same thing. It is a business. And it's going to become a bigger business, as Brian indicated on on, uh, his comment when we were discussing this. Wait until those playoffs hit. All that yeah, money. Yeah, you're talking about money. You're talking about so much money. The NFL is going to be blushing when they see what kind of money that college football is about to, to come up with. But I'm so glad the NCAA woke up and they're going to give unlimited snacks now to these people. You know, feed them well, give them some snacks at midnight and stuff. But I'm still torn on this because as a kid, you come into a school, you know, you devote four years or you, you plan to, you, you honor your scholarship, you show up to practice and you do that. And, and, Trey, you're neutral on this in a way. What do you think about a coach coming to you? And I believe Del Rio was on scholarship already. I could be wrong. Let's just say he was on scholarship. And Saban comes to him and says, hey, I'm not going to honor your scholarship. We're going to go a different direction. Trey, what do you think of this? Because kids can transfer, too. You know, they, they, they can decide, I don't want to be in the scholarship. I want to leave, and they can do it. They may have to sit out a year. But still, kids have power, too, in this whole process. What do you think about Saban pulling his scholarship? Well, I think the rules have to be balanced. Um, and, and, if, and if Sonia's right about the business, and, and I'm not disagreeing with her, but I am I am unhappy with the way that schools can kind of control these kids and really sort of screw with them. Uh, in this case, obviously, you know, Del Rio, you want him to not have to either I – mean, he has to be able to not sell a year or there has to be some sort of waiting a year of the scholarship. I mean, you have to either make this even uh, so that the school is in the exact same position as the student – uh, who can, you know, then opt out and say, okay, if you're going to honor my scholarship, I'm going to go get one somewhere else. And you can't control where I don't go. Like, you know, now you have the school can say, okay, if you transfer, that's fine, but we, you're not going to go to the SEC. And I think that's wrong. I think if they're going to not honor the scholarship, he should be able to go play for Auburn, you know, and really stick He can. And he can. And I think, I, th- I think he can. And if the school doesn't honor it, if the school says, we're not going to honor it. I think he can go where he wants. If the kid opts out and says, I want to leave, then the coach can say, you can't go to the SEC if, you know, if, if we well, let you go because it's, it's a commitment. I yeah, think uh, also, also the, the thing kid, is, and he's right, what gets me is, okay, remember last year when Tommy Tuberville took over and all of those kids thought they were going to have scholarships, he let the entire class yeah. go and didn't yeah. let them know until, like two days before signing day or yeah. something like that. That's why, well, and, and Trey's right. That's what there's got to be something that protects the kids. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and try to speculate what was going on between Luke Del Rio and Alabama. You know, I wish he would. I wish he was still a Bama. He's always gonna be a Bama to me. But 
It happens. Or was his father involved? You know, was his dad involved? You know, did did he uh, not want his son to play for Lane Kiffin or something? You know, we we never know. But the fact that he can now, you know, Coach Saban, when he made the decision, no limits. That's the one thing Alabama has never done. If a player decides to leave, no limits has ever been put on any kid. And a lot of coaches are like that. Some, I think uh, Gundy was trying to do it last year to a kid that was trying to go to Oregon. But the bottom line is it's got to be something – there's got to be some changes made. With as much money as college football is generating, as much as it's turning into a multi-billion you know, dollar industry, there's got to be some regulations and rules in, in place. I don't think unionizing players or paying players is the answer, but I do think there's got to be something to make it more evenly matched and to keep the real spirit – of what, you know, what college football really is. That's my biggest fear yeah. is that we're going to lose that. We are. It's happening and it's if you I mean 10 years ago I would never think college football would be in the position it's in now and it's probably because I was a naive fan. You know, and the more you start taking your glasses off and you start just looking at it for what it is, it's money, money, money and that's all that matters. The players now are smarter. They 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 realize, "Hey, you're making billions and and here I am having to bum money for a, a whopper. And mm-hmm. it, it's not fair. And, and Trey's right. We need to make this to where the players have just as much to gain or lose as the, as the team does, I mean, or the coaches do. It's a dirty business right now, and it's all about getting the best product on the field to, to increase your ratings, to win championships, to sell uh, jerseys and, and all of that. But it's changed so much. And, Trey, I don't even want to think five years from now where it's going to be, but college football is about to yeah. easily over, overtake the NFL, easily. Well, college football is in for a rude awakening of what's going to happen to it, I think, with all these lawsuits uh, and you know, possible unionization. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the landscape of college football. I think people who say that, you know, it'll come out unscathed are a little naive. We're going to see some changes with what it is we don't know. Um, and how serious it's going to be. But, I mean, the money that, that is being made is going to have to be starting to be spread around a little bit, a little bit better towards the students. I mean, that, that's going to at least be something I think we're all expecting to see is these these students who are being treated like for basically professional athletes are going to have to get better treatment for sure. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, Sonia, I don't know if you've kept up with college basketball much, but Tennessee, their coach, you know, you know, some of your family coaches there at Tennessee coach-led football, but basketball, the coach for Tennessee jumped ship, went to Cal. Just wanted uh-huh. to know your thoughts about that. What do you think? I just heard about this. I was just reading Trey in the note. I'm sorry, I was reading Trey. He um, <laughs> posted in the chat room, and I'm like, what, well, i got to go check this out. <laughs> I really – I don't even know what's going on up there. I, you know, I love uh, the Lady Vols, even though I'm, I'm a Bama fan. I definitely – Coach Summit is one of my, my favorite, if if not my all-time favorite coach in history. Um, it's just really <laughs> – wow, I need to catch up. What's the story? What happened? Well, you know, during the season when Tennessee, before they hit their hot streak, you know, their hot streak and before they went to the Sweet 16, they – the fans and a lot of people petitioned. They wanted to fire this coach because he wasn't winning basketball games. All of a sudden, he takes him to the Sweet 16. They want to give him a raise, and you know what? He, he bolts. 
he goes to Cal. Ah, and that came good. And, yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. The fans, every Tennessee fan I've talked to told me they wish they had Bruce Pearl. They, they, they wanted Bruce Pearl to come back, and then Auburn got him, and then this guy goes to Cal, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear any Tennessee fans moaning and groaning about this because that's exactly what they wanted a month ago. Oh, my God. In that case, like I said, I am totally on board. Dude, that's how you do it. <laughs> I still got to get caught up. You know, I was ill for a minute, so I still got to get caught up on some oh, stories. Yeah. yeah, between that one and uh, the, the last one I saw last night was the Clemson one. So, <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, he basically got sick of hearing about Pearl. That's it. And you guys have him now, don't you? Yeah, we have him now, and he, he just recruited the top JUCO player, and they put on there his name, and he was arrested for eating marijuana, and I was just shaking my head like, oh, no. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You smoke okay, it, dude. Next. You don't need it, okay? You smoke it. You don't need it now. <laughs> but, but Trey. Okay, Trey next, because I can't even comment. I thought it was oregano. <laughs> <laughs> Trey, Trey, looking at this, I know you're not surprised at the coach leaving. I mean, the writing was on the wall. He, he he doesn't feel appreciated. And as a coach, you have to win games. You can't worry about what the fans say. But in this case, I think he did. I think he took it personal and got out. Well, I mean, think about this. And, uh, and sort of look at and give him a good credit to the CBS article. Um, so I you know, want to cite my source here. But the guy, the guy signed two five-star prospects. And three recruiting classes. And in Tennessee, by the way, that's pretty good. You know, let's just be honest. Each season he builds upon his, his winning record, uh, takes his team to the tournament this year in the Sweet 16, and all while he's trying to do all this, you know, 40,000 people are, are signing a petition to have Bruce Pearl come back. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, look, here, here's the deal, Tennessee fans. You know, you guys you guys have made your bed in this regard, and you're going to have to lie in it. And, and believe me, I think Quanzo Martin, is a pretty solid basketball coach. Uh, so now here you are, basically after you complaint and you, you moaned, uh, you have no Quanza Martin, and now you know Bruce Pearl is going to coach against you in the SEC. So you know we'll see. We'll we'll see how happy they are next year, Darvin. Your your reward, you're going to get Auburn's coach that was just fired and run out of town. You're going to have him building your program at Tennessee. Wait, hold on. I got to back up for a minute. Trey, did you say they signed a petition? Yep. (laughs) I'm sorry. 40,000 fans signed a petition. They're going to pack him up and they're going to replace him with Bruce Pearl. He makes a sweet 16 and he gets the hell out of touch. Wait, did you say 40 or 4? Four zero 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 forty thousand. Forty thousand. Forty thousand. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I might have to mute for a minute because this is just hilarious. And wait a minute. This is why you cannot, in certain fans, certain fan bases, you cannot give them any power. Okay. I do not blame the coach at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just so hard when you're there as a coach. And like Trey said, you're doing it your way. You get a couple five stars in. You've gotten better every year. 
I mean, you saw Tennessee in the tournament, how good they looked as a team. I mean, they they looked very good, well coached. And now guess what? You lose this guy that you wanted to run out because you have some crazy fans out there that think Tennessee basketball should be on the same level as Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina. It's not. I mean, I, I like Kentucky basketball. People say, hey, you're an Auburn fan. Why do you like Kentucky? Because Auburn sucks at basketball. I mean, they never win, so I have to find somebody that I like. So, I mean, Tennessee thinks all of a sudden, because they made the tournament a couple of years, that, that now they're the Kansas of basketball, Trey. No. Well, you got to think, Parvin, this is partly, too, with the way he was handled inside the administration. I, I got to think that when this, you know, when, when this is breaking and you have 40,000 volunteers <laughs> volunteering to sign this petition, that he goes to somebody in the administration and is like, hey, man, can you guys believe this? And they go, yeah, can. And then he's like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, This I is the it. same fan base that got Fulmer out, the same yeah. fan base that wanted Fulmer's head. Only he won 10, 11 games a year every year, and now when they got rid of him, where's Tennessee football been? How long has it taken to rebuild Tennessee, Sonia? I'm going to tell you right now. I love, love – I've, I've got family. You're right. Coach Derek Wett, that's my boy. That's my nephew. I'm so proud of him. I've got some great friends who attended Tennessee. I've dated guys from Tennessee. I love the people of Tennessee that I know, okay? <laughs> but the Tennessee fan base at this point, they are they are where the the bandwagon Bama fans were when we lost. That is where they are right now. Because Tennessee some Tennessee fans refuse to get the fact that you are not elite anymore. You will always be elite on a certain level because you won the first BCS championship you're a, national cha- a multinational championship winner, and you are, other than Alabama, one of the only two, the, uh, the other um, SEC team that's on the all-time winningest team list, okay? Tennessee and Alabama are the only two SEC teams on that list. But what Tennessee fans need to realize, you, you've got to have patience. That's number one. And you've got to let things play out. When fans start dipping their fingers into who should be the coach and who shouldn't be the coach, that's when you mess up. Just like people, when I have, I have to compare it to Bama fans, we had Bama fans who were like, who is Nick Saban when he was signed? Oh, my God, no. Same thing, petitions, protests, and all of this crap. Not anymore. But the bandwagon fans, wait a minute. Wait, how dare he not win another national championship? Off with his head. Okay, the key question that all of these people forget, you're going to fire him, but who's going to replace him? You just showed exactly. how you treat your coaches. You just showed how Saban, you treat your coaches. Saban felt more pressure than, than any coach I've ever seen this year. I mean, I've never seen a coach win as many games as he has in just five years and have almost three national championships back-to-back-to-back, and now they're wanting to fire him, I mean, over two losses. I mean, geez, see, that's I, what I, I mean. Kill to have when that you have those fans, have that they, have that power. they think they have that power. And what Tennessee fans need to realize is the way you treat people, other coaches see that. Okay? Other coaches see that. And there's a heck of a lot of coaches that are applauding Coach Martin for what he did. 
because he stayed through it all. You didn't want me. Okay, fine. I'm going to stay here. Oh, now all of a sudden you want me back and want to love me. No, that's okay. I'm done. So he leaves. Okay, the next coach, guess what? He knows that story. I just think we we need to back away sometimes. Fans need to just just chill because that's just too funny. Hey, Carmen, listen listen to this, man. Uh, Looking at the story as well, so a CBS news writer wrote that, and he said the the UT players, seem to be publicly siding with Kwanzo Martin, and it should tell you they didn't like the way their coach was treated. Uh, and then that's, that's on Twitter, Tarvin. And then one Tennessee player, basketball players, retweeted and said, ah, eed. So the players themselves, their coach, Kwanzo Martin, the raw deal from the – like that to me – Trey, Trey, you're 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 cutting out on me. Maybe I'm the only one not hearing you, but you're cutting out when you're talking, cutting in and out. Yeah, I hear. I, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, the fact that the players seem to be openly and on Twitter saying their coach was was not handled correctly uh, and retweeting things from writers saying players were agreement with Quanzo Martin over the administration. I uh, should tell you a lot, and that's on Twitter. You can follow this guy. these guys on Well, Well, guys, the AD for Tennessee is coming out now and saying that this job is still a very attractive job. If I'm a coach out there looking for a job, I'm gonna, I may stay away from Tennessee. It's not like they fired this guy and now they're looking for somebody. He left to go to Cal, and the last time I checked, Cal is not at the level of Tennessee. So if I'm a coach out there looking, Trey, uh, I may be overlooking Tennessee here. I don't, I don't know who they're going to get, but I have a feeling it's going to be somebody they have to settle for. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, with Mark, hey, you need to call back in. You need to call back in, buddy. I'm going to cut you off right here, and you can call back in. Uh, you're coming in and out a lot, so I don't want to frustrate the listeners out there. Sonia, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I was just going to say uh, in. in relation to what Trey was saying, what people don't realize, and you're, you're telling the truth, Tarvin, I have coaches in my family. Well, you know. <laughs> you know how we roll over here. We're sports all 24-7. And not only the coaches and the players, people pay attention to how a team or a school, how their fans treat people. There was a player last year <clears throat> who changed his, he had committed to, and I'm trying to remember what school it was. I want to, I think it was in the Big Ten. I'm not sure. But he had committed to one school, and because he saw all of this hate being posted towards him and his family, he was like, no, forget it. And he changed I think his it was commitment. Ole Miss. You, do you remember? Was that yeah, it? I, remember. I couldn't I remember it, what. It was, either, it was either he went to Ole Miss because of Mississippi State fans or he went to Mississippi State because of Ole Miss fans. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, but it was that case. And then also, it's the same with the coaches. Coaches are very, very particular. And the biggest example in the professional world of, of, of coaches doing what Martin did, when you look at Doc Rivers, and people can say what they want to, Doc Rivers left Boston because he realized that, wait a minute, I don't have control. The players have control. Same instance with, um, instance with Tennessee. A coach is going to look and say, well, wait a minute, I won't have control. I won't be reporting to the AD. I'll, report, I'll be reporting to the fans. That's too much pressure. Mm-hmm. 
I'll go somewhere where I don't have to deal with all that. Yep. You know, yep. so that's what that's why I always try to tell fans: you really, when you're on the internet and posting all of this stuff, I know for a fact Woody, <laughs> Carl Lawson, who plays for Auburn, oh, he was reading stuff. You folks, yep. uh-uh, wake up. They they all do, but hey, we have a Tennessee volunteer fan on the phone. Cuervo's on the line. Cuervo, why are you? Why, why did you sign that petition to get rid of your coach? Cuervo! <laughs> What's up? How are you? <laughs> hey, sweetie, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing. It sounds like you're talking about some irrelevant Tennessee stuff because, let's face <laughs> it, what, does basketball really matter in Knoxville? Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the Lady Balls, dude. Except for That's the Lady Balls. You're, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, they're they're the only team that seems to win in Knoxville. So, but I mean, <laughs> hey, if I if there was a petition, Tarvin, I I had nothing to do with it. I, I mean, I didn't even pay attention to be honest with you. When I heard that he went to Cal, I was like, oh, okay, well, good for him. Yeah, but but Cuervo, you run uh, the the fans. Really, to me, they they ran off Philip Fulmer, and and whether it was time for a change or not, I think, I think he he got the raw end of the deal there, and then all of a sudden this coach. How, I mean, are Tennessee do Tennessee fans think they're they're powerful people because all they have to do is quit coming to the games, and all of a sudden they're not making the money. So, how much power do the fans at Tennessee have, Cuervo? Now, as far as Philip Fulmer, guilty as charged. I was one of those that. I was like, get him out of here. I, I just felt like it was time for a change. But, um, you know, as, as far as if you're talking about Tennessee specifically, I mean, it's just like anywhere else in the South where, you know, your, 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 your sports, is, it means everything to you. Um, so with that being said, I mean, it's no different than, you know, Alabama fans like Sonia or Auburn fans like yourself. It, it, it's It's – I, I think that sometimes sometimes fans have a little too much say. I mean, yes, you know, the money the money and all that stuff, but I don't know, I just I just feel like when it's irrelevant like Tennessee basketball really, um, I just don't see why there what 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 really are we what really is the, the big discussion here what is the reason like i really don't know what the big reason is that we're making such a an issue about him it's just like any other coach going from one place to another i mean is there is there actual story behind why he left like i really don't know actually Cuervo, there is and it's really not him per se now that i've read the story and thank you trey for posting a link in the um, chat room what really, I think what what we're really looking at is the fact that it seems the fans had so much influence on that decision. And you're absolutely right. And I actually compared Tennessee fans to Bama fans. You know, to me, our fans have too much power. But the good thing is our coach has full control. <laughs> so nobody is going to naysay Nick Saban, you know, just because a group of fans are, are complaining. But <clears throat> it does get to the point where, you you have to look at the fans' influence. I look at two, on the opposite side, you know, Mary and Jason, now I watch Minnesota. And the one thing I noticed in watching them the first season, I was like, 
Minnesota fans are all, no matter who they're playing, their fans are always there and they're always cheering and they always stay till the end. And they always get an increase in revenue, no matter how, you know, bad the team is. They're always there. So to me, there are loyal fan bases out there who support the program. They're diehard. But then you have that small group in those upper elite programs, like at Texas and Bama and, you know, Auburn, places like that, who, because they have money and power, they want to step in and, and make changes they want to see. So, I, you know, I totally agree. We, we need to back away from that, you know, super boosters and all of that. Look at, um, or, what is it, Oregon State and T-Boom Pickens. You know, we just, ugh, I don't know. I think we get too involved sometimes. Yeah, we do. And fans, fans are, I mean, the fans pay the salaries of these coaches and they, they spend their entire weekend trade. I mean, college football in the South is like, is, is crazy in sports in general. So if I'm going to spend a whole weekend, spend several hundred dollars to come support my team and you get 90,000 people come every Saturday, I think they do, they, they, they do have a voice. I mean, the AD listens, Trey, to these fans. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and maybe too much. I mean, obviously, if, if you're a coach, Tarvin, um, and, you know, you're not getting that love from your AD and from your administration because of some petition, then I, I think it's time to go. I think, you're, I think you made the right decision. I would have made it too because it's the administration's role to sort of pump the brakes on some of this stuff and say, yeah, the fans are saying that, but don't worry. Like, we know better than that. Well, well, staying in college football, guys, we, I talked about the NCAA. Now they're they're going to give more food to the athletes. Now they're not actually going to pay them money, a siphon or anything, but unlimited snacks tray. And also they they reduced the marijuana penalty down. So more food, the munchies, and 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 less penalty for marijuana. What do you think? When Alabama gets fat. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, think, Trey? The big story that came out of this, Tarvin, was the fact that Jared Lorenzen, the former Kentucky quarterback who's now what in some XFL league or something, uh, said that the, that the NCAA is very lucky that they didn't um, have this rule in effect when he was in college because he would have eaten the NCAA out of, out of sort of house and home. <laughs> well, I mean, I know now that now that the players can smoke more weed. And now they get to eat unlimited food. I, I want, I'm interested to see this bill, Sonia, what it's going to look like at the end of the year. How much more food is eaten now that marijuana is a little less? Well, I guess I guess uh, you know Alabama, Florida State, and Auburn better better get a lot of Doritos because I guess snacks are free now. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting to see. I just want to see. Um, it seems like they're they're following the trend as far as uh, the push towards legalizing marijuana. So I guess they're trying to get ahead of the curve. Who knows? Or maybe they've been following the NFL and they see how many players are popped and they're just like, forget it. I don't know, but it'll be interesting. Or the NCAA. Or hey, Sonia. Sonia. Hey, Jason. You're on right quick. I need to ask you a question just about yeah. hockey. I've been watching. I've been watching this uh, Pittsburgh Penguins hockey game, and my God, it's a hit going on in here. I didn't realize hockey. I know they fight and everything, but these guys are taking shots that I guarantee you I wouldn't be getting up from. I mean, wow. I just wanted to throw the, the, that out there to you. So. The the two teams you got to watch, um, Boston's pretty physical, and uh, Pittsburgh is. But as far as Pittsburgh doing anything, their goalie sucks this year, so <clears throat> I wouldn't bet on them 
getting past the first or second round. Well, well, Jason Pitt was down three to one early in the game, and they they scored two quick goals to tie it at three going into the third. So that's that's there's only three periods in hockey, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's tied at three going in. So I just watched hockey tonight. I've been sitting here watching it. My God, at the hits, Trey. Do you ever watch hockey? No, I don't. Yeah, we're watching uh, right. Quebec at Tampa right now. Oh, it's awesome, <laughs> Montreal. I mean, Tampa Bay. I got in the hockey. Jason converted me, and I told you the hits would get you, Tarman. Oh, man. I mean, it's just like these are lethal shots that would probably get you put in jail in football. I mean, these Oh, the one that um, Rupp put on TJ Oshie the other night? Dude, he got suspended for that that one. Knocked him out. Yeah. I may try to get Trey on some ice and take take some shots at him like that. What do you think, Trey? <laughs> but he, you could, I would stand three feet from you and you'd just keep falling on your face and I would just keep laughing. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I, could, I couldn't skate to you. I'd just have to crawl <laughs> and, jump up and, and jump up and hit you. I, I'm not much of an ice skater. I, I fall too much. But I don't know, Cuervo, are you, a, are, you a, are you a hockey player, Cuervo? No, I'm I'm just barely. I'm actually been recently uh, learning how to skate myself. My wife has gotten into it a lot lately, learning how to ice skate. So I go with her and whatnot. But am I hockey ready? Hell no, I'm not hockey ready. But, um, I have a suggestion, though, because you guys are talking about the marijuana thing and all that stuff. Just throwing an idea out there, guys. I think I'm going to start investing uh, some stock into Frito-Lay. What do you guys think? <laughs> Sign me up. There we go, the tip of the night. Leave it to Cuervo. <laughs> Cuervo, the best, the hottest broker around. Cuervo, go invest in Frito Lay, any kind of snack food right now. Because hey, it's Wolf go on Wall tonight. Street, man. The Wolf on Wall Street, <laughs> yeah. I'm hooked. Give me little Debbie's any day. <laughs> yeah, I love those oatmeal pies, man. You can't, I can't get enough of those oatmeal pies, but. Yes, I mean it's it's just it is what it is. Football, the NCAA. Sonia said it earlier. They're losing their power. They're they're starting to have to to relax a little bit. And college football is moving away from NCAA. It's a, it's a professional sport. Cuervo, I know you'd never thought you'd see this, but the college football is bigger than the NFL. It's going to be after this playoff hit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think I think uh, you know the tip of the iceberg is going to be. With the fourteen, but imagine wait until it, wait until they expand it to eight, which I'm really hoping they do. And if that day ever comes, watch out because I mean, you want to talk about the money that bowl games are going to make? It's going to be yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it's going to be it's it, it's not even going to compare to playoff NFL playoff games. It's not even going to come close. You got it. I mean, you're 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 having to bid on if you can. It's like a Super Bowl, really. You have to bid trade on on if you could even host this event. And I think it was, what, half a billion dollars to, to, to the winner of who gets to host it. Am I right, Trey, on that? It was a lot of money, man. It was a lot. I mean, wow. College football is where it's at. Everybody out there listening, you know, you you think the NFL's better, you think NBA's better. College football is where it's at, in my mind. I mean, it's growing so much, and it's getting bigger, bigger, bigger. The players want a little bit of the pie. I think they deserve it, honestly. Before, I was against paving the players. But, you know, they're, they're, they're coming to college or getting a degree. At least let them make a little money. If I, if I go into my company 
and they're making billions of dollars and they're paying me 20000 a year and I'm one of the reasons why they're making that those billions of dollars. I'm not going to work for them anymore unless they pay me more. And it's kind of like these kids. They're special. They're, they're rare. You don't find many, many athletes that can do what they do. They deserve a little bit of it. So just give them a little piece of the pie tray. I think everybody will be happy. But still, it's going to be hard to compete with the Alabamas and Southern Cows of the world, these Texas, these schools that have a lot of money. The pockets run deep. So it's going to be interesting to see how they how they go. And, Trey, I don't know if you heard Clemson kick their quarterback off the team yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Dabo's in trouble heading down to Athens week one. Well, I mean, that and they're in, they're in the news for other stuff, too. So Clemson's got a little stuff uh, going on with them as well. So we'll have to see, how, yeah, you're right, how they handle this. Yes, it's college football is getting close. Sonia, as, as your app, when, when do you start craving college football? When does it start getting real to you? We're in the middle of April. We're not too far away. The spring games are this weekend for Alabama and Auburn. So when do you start taking football serious? Well, <clears throat> to answer your first question, I start craving it the last quarter, <laughs> the last minute of the national championship game. That's when I start craving it again. But it doesn't. it's not real to me until at least a couple of weeks before kickoff, the first game, the first official game. Spring games are great, but, I mean, you only, you're only getting – they're playing each other. You know what I mean? You're only getting a glimpse of, of what they can do, but I'm ready for the real game. And I just have to go back one second when you were talking about revenue. I had posted this when I, when I saw the story that Alabama had – I think we, it was uh, 21.3, <clears throat> excuse me, in surplus revenue this year. We actually had, and this is the entire athletic program, 143.4 million in athletic revenue, up 16% from the year before. That's now. Just a How much was that? How much was that? I'm sorry. 143.4 million in athletic revenue at the University of Alabama. So if you're looking at that amount right now in 2014, imagine in five years where it's just going to be money just going to be pouring in and you're going to see a lot more, to me, athletes being like Jadavian Clowney. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 i got to save myself from the NFL. Y'all ain't paying me for this. I'm not yep. going to give you 100%. It's just going to change the whole scope. And it always happens when you get that much money into it. But anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to touch You're on right. that. But back to your question, as far as um, it's, it's not really serious to me until really a couple of weeks before before the first official game, because anything can happen. Well, I'm, I'm feeling for some reason maybe it's a spring game, Cuervo. Maybe it's I get to see Auburn play, and I get to see these new players come out and see how they look. But I'm starting to get the craving now, and that's a long way off. But that I'm ready now. Yeah, I'm always ready too. I'm like Sonya. I I I, I want to watch more college football. As soon as the national title game over, I just kind of fall into a depression for a little while. But you know, I I, I start feeling the you know the the uh, the tingles again. I guess when. Uh, when you play the boys of fall on your on your show, Tarv, and that's when I start realizing, hey, we're getting close again. And that's in August. I mean, it's not too far away. Trey and I, everybody, will all get our panels together and start doing our 
college preview probably at the end of June, starting July, so we can make sure. That's when it starts getting real to me. But I'm like you. I go into kind of a depression, like, for a couple of months. Trey, do you, do you, does the world slow down a little bit? And it's the Saturdays are kind of boring when football's over the first couple of months? Uh, yeah. I do a lot of stuff with the kids on Saturdays. But, you know, speaking of spring games, and I'm going to jump off here and, and put the old kids to bed, but I did want to mention this. Florida State had theirs last uh, Saturday, Tarvin. Uh, and, you know, we talked about Jameis Winston and, you know, the off-the-field stuff. But let's, let's, let's focus a little bit on the on-field. He had almost 400 yards passing in the spring game, and the next day he went out and had and recorded a save for the baseball team. That's, that's pretty good. And, and i, I got to be honest, as a Florida State fan, you got to wonder how much wear and tear that arm is going to keep up with. Um, so it's something to think about for Florida State. And the guys well, threw the ball, what, 50, 50 well, times? safe. He's trying to be like Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, he said. How, how how much more does he have to do to get to that level? Well, you got to play a pro both ways. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, both those guys did it in the professional level and did it pretty well. Um, so, I mean, whether he's a pro baseball player prospect, I think is something to be said. We know he is in football. Um, but, you know, there's there's something to be said also, too, Tarver. We're talking about a pitcher in baseball. Um, and the wear and tear that you put on your arm as a pitcher in baseball is pretty significant no matter what role you have. So uh, at some point, I think he's going to have to choose just because you can't pitch and then go out and be a quarterback too. Well, Trey, I saw an interesting post that asked the question, does the Tallahassee Police Department deserve championship rings for 2013? (laughs) Well, you know, maybe. I'm joking. Uh, Winston is a good player, guys. He's a he's a great player, and, and without him, I don't think they win a national championship last year. But Trey, thanks for joining us, bud. We're not going to stay on too much longer. Thanks. I know you have right, some things to do. Thanks for joining me, buddy. And we'll talk to you Sunday night. Have a good night, guys. Bye. All right, you too. And, and yeah, Sonia Cuervo, Jason, while I have you on here, Texas A&M to me. It just seems like they're heading in the direction right now of being last in the SEC West. you got to remember that defense they put on the field last year. They lose Evans. They lose their best offensive lineman. They lose Manziel. They have a lot of off-the-field trouble. Um, Jokel, the quarterback, transferred out. He's leaving. Sonia, where is Texas A&M going to go this year? What are they going to do? Uh, into reality check motel. <laughs> <laughs> They are going to get a quick reality check. And did we not say? And this is not. This is one moment where I will not mind, where I will not mind saying I told you so. I told some of my TAMU friends the first year they were in here. Do not get used to that. Okay. Do not think <laughs> that you always have that kind of season in any conference, but much less the SEC. Okay. You got a little taste of it last year. This year, guess what? Welcome to the SEC, Texas A&M. Yep. You're right. <laughs> you're, I mean, you, you're right, Sonia. You can go from you, – you caught lightning in a bottle. They won, what, nine, ten games, and all of a sudden they, they're, they're the dominant team of the SEC, they think, and then they get pimp slapped this year. Now this year they're going to be below Arkansas probably, and that's pretty low when you're below Arkansas in the SEC West. That's what they, But that's the thing. It's like I told them, dude – Look at Auburn. Look at Alabama. Look at every team in the SEC who's had a great – we've all been through it. It can change in an instant. 
So to think that you're going to come in and always have those Johnny Menzel-led seasons, dude, reality check, you, Texas A&M is in for it this year. That's it. Yeah, Auburn went from 14-0 and 0 to 8-5 and 5 to 3-9 and 9, all of a sudden, and you're just like, what in the hell just happened? You know, how did this happen? It happens, Cuervo. I mean, Tennessee, you saw their first BCS championship, and you've seen some down years, too. I mean, this is SEC. You have to bring it every year. And even though you're good, that doesn't mean you're going to win over eight games. That doesn't mm-hmm. even mean you're close to winning eight games. You can have good teams, Cuervo, and, and you win seven games in the SEC. Fifteen years and counting, Tarvin. That's what every Tennessee fan <laughs> thinks of themselves right now because since 99, there hasn't really been much to celebrate in Knoxville So as far as the football team. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you can go from, from being one of the best. I mean, heck, even, even LSU has kind of experienced it. They've gone from, yeah. you know, losing one game in a season to losing four, and LSU fans are – you know, they, they think the world's going to end or whatever. And then you got Alabama who, uh, you know, had a couple of, you know, average years with Brody Croyle as their quarterback. And, and, you know, now life is good when you're a Bama fan, Sonia. And, um, but, you know, I mean, it's it's the roller coaster of being an SEC fan. I mean, you win yeah. some, you lose some. You, it's, it's just you can't be Ohio State where – in the SEC where you're just winning 10, 11 games a year. I mean, that's, and that just shows you the parity that, that there is in the SEC. I mean, yes, you have Kentucky and Vanderbilt who, um, you know, is always going 6-6 six and six and whatnot. But as far as the top dogs, either it's, it's one year it's Alabama, the next year it's LSU, the next year it's Auburn. Uh, the other side, you got Florida, you got, you know, South Carolina, you got Georgia. So it just it just – you know, sometimes you just—it's your year. You know, they draw the SEC draws you for for that year, and and as a fan, you just enjoy it. Well, that's kind of feast or famine when you're the bigger schools in the SEC because you know you're trying to make drastic moves sometimes to win. So you can win a championship, you you lose about six games, and all of a sudden your people are going pro. And you see some teams that are winning six, seven games every year, but they're never going to win that championship. And that's a difference in the SEC to me. But, Sonia, I want to ask y'all, everybody this. I'll start with you, Sonia. Uh, mm-hmm. Now Oklahoma fans are out beating their chest because now they're preseason top five, like that means anything. Because they beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, these guys are legitimate national championship contenders. What do you say to those Oklahoma fans out there that think they're going to win a championship this year? Uh, great game. <laughs> you know, congrats on the win. Good luck. <laughs> You might be checking in with some of those TAMU fans. <laughs> it really gets me, and, and we talk about this all the time, because Tarvin and I, we're, we're always talking football just through the weekend stuff. And what really gets me about sports fans, and, and I, I can't say all bandwagon, but non-realistic or unrealistic sports fans, you see the same posts from the same people every year. This year is going to be our year. We're going to win. We're going to win. And they go three and nine, or they go, you know, they don't. <laughs> okay, so they come back the next year, say the same thing, and they don't. They finally get their chance in the spotlight, and then all of a sudden, what do the rest of us hear? Oh, we're this and we're that, and we've always no, you haven't, sweetie. You just got good. Okay, <laughs> you haven't always been good, and I think that's why a lot of people get 
you know, irritated or annoyed at SEC team fans because we are used to it. We're used to, to coming in and having a perfect record and playing freaking Auburn in the Iron Bowl and getting beat or going on the road and everything's going good and South Carolina slips up and then Tennessee, you just never know what they're going to bring. They can lose every game and then show up for Alabama. So oh. that's what I'm saying as far as us, and, you, and, and both you guys said it, we're so used to it that it doesn't phase us, but newer fans and fans from other conferences, I think, they don't they don't get it. You know, it's almost like if, if you're winning, then they totally forget about the bad times. You're supposed to be there through thick and thin, and that's one reason I love Jason because he's a diehard Minnesota fan no matter what happens. I'm a diehard Bama fan. You're a diehard Auburn fan. Cuervo's a diehard Tennessee fan. So we're realistic fans. But the other ones, eh, not so much. It's well, just after be... the 2012 season, Sonia, I got a dose of, you know, you can do your homework. You can know who's coming back. You can you can look at last year, how you did, and then you go three and nine. It kind of wakes you up and humbles you and makes you realize that until you get on that field and see what you have together as a team, you never know what your record's going to be. So all these people out there with their preseason polls, they have Oregon up at the top again. They have Oklahoma and teams like that. What are you trying to do? You're trying to make yourself drink because it's not going to be right. I mean, it's exactly. the end of the day. You don't That's know what... who's going to win the games. You never know. Missouri and Auburn last year, two worst teams in the SEC the year before, they make the championship game, could have both made a championship. You don't know. Yep. But now this year, who's going to be that team? Is it going to be Tennessee? I mean, it's possible. Could it be Mississippi State? We don't know yet until we see them on the field. Exactly. I think Jason's got something to say. Um, basically, what Oklahoma got was the same thing that Minnesota got when they beat Bama. <laughs> I mean, they didn't care. So, take it for what it's worth. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I don't, like, pump up my chest, you know, that Minnesota beat Alabama, because <laughs> I know reality. So, yeah. you know. They're 0-3 against us right now under Stoop, so... You know, I, like I said, I'll give anything credit. You guys beat us. You won fair and square. But at the same time, don't think that this sets a precedent, okay? It, it doesn't. If anything, it fuels them more, whatever. Yeah. I think the NCAA madness deal uh, kind of confirmed that. Look at these that beat all of these so-called elite teams. Any team can be beaten on any given day. And as long as you're a fan who accepts that and understands that, you can enjoy the game. Well, guys, guys, real quick before we go, uh, I don't know, Sonia and Jason, are y'all going to be watching the NFL draft? Oh, of course. First round only. Yeah, I always post it and, and uh, keep track of that. I'm hoping we'll see what happens, but, boy, I, I just want to see who's going to take the first quarterback. This is the most uncertain everyone has been of who's going where. Yep. It's going to be so much fun. Well, I can tell you this, and this is me. If I'm an owner – and I'm looking at everybody in this draft, the only person I'm taking with the number one overall pick is Clowney. What do y'all think? Yep, I agree. Yep. Totally agree. Totally Two. agree. He's the, he's the most guaranteed. He's the best guaranteed. I, I don't care what anybody says about Manziel and all these other guys. He is the best guaranteed guy, in my opinion, that you can take the safest pick, the best pick. I'm, I'm calling in on another number, uh, Tarvin. That's me with an 847 number because my cell phone's about to die. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. 
I totally agree. Okay, imagine, well, imagine Houston's defense with Clowney. Just imagine that. I know. Why oh Clowney? God, and I mean, the, you, you don't need a great quarterback if you're Houston. You just need somebody that's not going to screw it up. You just need Ooh. to let them go out there, run the football, make the safe passes, and stop the game people. Cuervo, yeah, Cuervo, you mentioned that before. Imagine Houston with Clowney on it. I remember you saying that. Yeah, well, with him and J.J. Watt, that that's sickening. That's like that's like having uh, you know Dwight Freeney on one side and Julius Peppers when they when they were you know young and in their prime and things like that on the same team. It, it would be it would be ridiculously good. And and Houston's focus should be on doing everything you can to make Andrew Luck's life miserable. And if they if they draft Clowney. That's their best bet. It's not Johnny Manziel. It's not Blake Bortles. I'm sorry. Everybody's in love with that guy. What is he? What is he proven? He's got good size. See, and and that's the other. That's another thing too. These experts that you see on ESPN and you know, Todd McShay and Mel Kiper and all these all these guys, they continue to make the same mistake. I'm falling in love with, with certain guys because they have the size. Okay, show me the film, dude. That's what I want to see. I want to see you go, go out there and, and make plays. And Tarvin, you, and I've been saying this, and you could back me up, and, and I want Sonya to hear this because I want to stay on her, you know, I stay on her good side. A.J. McCarron is going to be the best quarterback that comes out of this draft. I guarantee it. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I, and, and, and Tarvin, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I, I agree. I, yeah. I totally agree, and this is not as a Bama homer. This is as an objective football, sports-loving fan, female that just loves sports. When you look at overall what a quarterback, two things you look at, what can they immediately bring to your team? When you're an owner, you're looking at what impact can they immediately make if I bring this person in, and how teachable are they? Are we going to have to put invest a lot of time to you know train this person up to where we want them to be, or are they going to be just about there? AJ McCarron fits that bill. He can hit the ground running. He's ready. He is ready. So I and totally agree on that. And the smart teams will see that. The smart teams that that before Sonia and Cuervo and Jason, before you go out and and risk your entire draft on Manziel, Bortles, or Bridgewater. Get a stud lineman. Get a stud defensive tackle. Somebody, offensive lineman, that can make a difference now. And in a couple of years, two or three years, A.J. McCarron and Aaron Murray will be the top two quarterbacks in this draft that nobody's talking about. It's not going to be Manziel and Bridgewater. It's going to be Murray and McCarron. I mean, what do you all think of, of Murray? I think he's a great leader. Tarvin, here's what, here's what I want the Vikings to do at number eight. What I want them to do is I want them to take C.J. Mosley for our defense and pass on the damn quarterback. And then in the second round, <laughs> take either A.J. or, or Aaron Murray. Because they're going to be the best That's quarterbacks. Smart. And so far, yeah, I mean, so far, knees checked I've out. Watched so. them. I've watched them, Jason, in the SEC. I've watched both of those quarterbacks every week, and those two guys are leaders. And I know I wasn't sold on A.J. McCarron as much until this year, Jason. And when I watched him more and the more, if Saban loves you, 
there's a reason. You're probably going to be a good pro, don't you think? Yeah. There you go. Cuervo, am I I making sense? Does that seem likely? Very likely, because nobody's talking about either one of those two guys as a first-round pick. All it is is Manziel, Bortles, um, uh, Bridgewater, and possibly even Derek Carr from Fresno State, which I like. I like Carr. And I think he's got something to bring to the table, too. And nobody's nobody's talking about him either. But, I mean, this guy puts up monster numbers in, you know, in, in yeah, it's a weak conference. But, I mean, still, to be able to do what he does, that that's, you know, it's not bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, the reason I like McCarron so much is because, you know, like you said, I mean, he he's smart. He makes good decisions. And don't give me this crap about, well, anybody can – do good with all that talent that's surrounded around him. Okay, and this is not this is not a, a, to bash Alabama or anything like that. But Sonia, besides, you know, after Julio Jones, when name me another All American receiver that they've had. Correct me if I'm wrong. They haven't had one since Julio Jones. Dude, I so agree with you, <clears throat> and this is what gets me with that whole game manager and well, there's all this talent. BS. Put a quarterback out there, okay? Put any quarterback out there. If uh, if that's your hypothesis, then that means that I can put the water boy and just tell him, throw to this and he'll make it happen. And the right. team will win. That is yeah, and, and, and that's not the case. You know the play that sticks out to me, and Tarvin's not going to like me for this, but that 99-yard touchdown – and the Iron Bowl this past year. How many guys can make that play? Honestly, how many guys can make that throw, have the confidence to make that throw, and actually execute it? There you how go. many guys in, in, in college could have made that play? The one I, I, can one up you, Cuervo. I can one-up you on that. I was watching that game, and it was like second and eight and late in the fourth quarter. They were in field goal range. Auburn had 80 men in the box. And, and they trust A.J. McCarron enough to throw the balls and out to the receiver right there for a safe six-yard gain, which is a dangerous play at that time of the game. But the, it takes a senior quarterback that understands coverage, can read everything. That 99-yard was good and all, but that was better. That shows the amount of faith the coaching staff has in him and how much confidence he has in himself. A.J. Yeah. McCarron. It's going to be the spell yeah. of this draft, guys, when it comes to the he quarterback. Is. Aaron he... Murray, A.J. McCarron. Not only the about... spell of the draft, but the one thing that A.J., he, he's out to prove his naysayers wrong. You know what I mean? He's out to show, wait a minute, I deserve this. This wasn't just handed to me. But the one show that you guys need to check out, if you haven't seen it already, John Gruden's quarterback camp. Have mm-hmm. you guys seen that? I didn't yeah, see the one with Aaron, though. Yeah, you've got it. Go. He's he's got a new set coming through. He just we just saw the one, or we caught the tail end of uh, him with Johnny Menzel, and I'm I'm looking forward to the one with him and AJ. But what I love about John Gruden is he asks these guys like he puts them. He he's got plays on the screen, and he's like, okay, why'd you do that? Where'd that come from? And watching that show, an, an owner or anybody, even a fan, just people, you get to see how a quarterback mind how their mind works. You know, their decision-making abilities, they're telling you right then and there, if there's not one person that truly understands the quarterback mind, it's John Gruden. 
And if John Gruden says that A.J. McCarron and Aaron Murray are the, are the top two, then I have, I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah, yeah I mean, you you, you, you got to look more than a quarterback, like Cuervo said, than the size, than the arm strength. Jamarcus Russell was a pretty big dude with a strong arm. <laughs> Where's, where, oh, where, where is God. he now? Where yep. is he now? He's, he's back. Even on size, uh, what was what did Refrigerator Perry do? Oh. I'm serious. He just stood there and blocked, but he couldn't run anybody down. That's I, I totally agree with Cuervo. Quit looking at these guys just because they're big. Yep. Yeah. You do. I, I, that, hey, guys, that's, hey, guys, hold on just a second. I think, Jonathan, you've been on hold, and I just saw your number, buddy. I'm sorry. What do you think about this, this draft with the quarterback? Sorry to leave you on hold, buddy. That's uh, fine. I was able to get a couple minutes uh, out of work to to check y'all out, and I, I think arguably the the best quarterbacks in this draft are all in the SEC. And one name that I haven't heard none of y'all mention, I don't understand it, Zach Mettenberger. That kid flourished under Cam Cameron last year. He looked so much better. Give him another year yeah. of seasoning, and I think Mettenberger could could wind up being a huge steal. I mean, that's the thing. If people are ignoring these quarterbacks, look at Jimmy Grappolo. He plays in Eastern Illinois. Name me a defense he faced that, that A.J. McCarron would be terrified of. You know, Derek Carr, name me a defense that he faced that Aaron Murray would look at and be like, oh, damn. I mean, come on, guys. The, uh, Mettenberger, Murray, are, I think, are going to be the two biggest steals because I think they're going to slide the farthest in the draft. Now, I'm, I'm not knocking McCarron. I think McCarron's still a second-round pick lock. I think Murray and Mettenberger could, could fall to the third or fourth, and that's more to do with their knees and teams still looking at ACL injuries like a taboo. That's the biggest thing. In all honesty, you know, I, I hear you guys mentioning Clowney and all that, but if you're Houston, you already have a very good defense. That, that's a fact. Your offensive line has always been somewhat suspect. Why wouldn't you try to shore that up with one of the two uh, left tackles? You know, why not get yourself a great run grader in Robinson? You know, you're going to run the Clowney's ball, right? Clowney's a freak, though, Jonathan. Clowney's a freak that I don't think you can I mean, up. I, I definitely understand that. I mean, the Julius Peppers is the same way, and if you look at it, if Julius had fully applied himself, we're talking about the best defensive end of all time. Is Clowney actually going to fully apply himself? And at the end of the day, I don't know if he will. I can't get to his head. All I know is the fact that we're questioning it, it becomes an issue for me. And I think Clowney's great. The thing with Medberger, though, and, and I agree with some of what you're saying, Jonathan, I totally agree, and he is being overlooked, but the reason that Medberger is not getting the, the hype that he should is his consistency. Yeah, he was great last year. I love this kid. His heart in that game when he crawled off that field and was ready to come right back in, I, I gave him props for that. But you cannot – when you're you're looking at a franchise quarterback, you're bringing this guy into league. You're gonna look for consistency, and unfortunately, Medenberger chose to show his strength at the end of his of of, of, uh, of his college career. So they only well, there's a, there's a reason for that though. How, who was his offensive coordinator for Cam Cameron? That's that thing. He only had Cam for one year. They fired their offensive coordinator, bringing Cam Cameron, and Medenberger all of a sudden looks good. I, 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 I'm not saying that you, I, there's a correlation there. There's a reason for that. It wasn't just coincidence. Cam Cameron implemented a pro-style offense and told him, do your thing, and Mettenberger did his thing. That, that's, that's the thing is we have to look at that. The reason why Alex Smith struggled for so long in San Francisco, he had five offensive coordinators in six years. 
No quarterback can be consistent with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, that's good, but in that case, let's give everybody an excuse. Okay, well, Arkansas, you lost your coach and you did this. USC, you lost your coach to this player from USC. I'm not saying that you're not right, and I'm not saying that you're not making a very, very valid point. My point is, in the professional world of sports, they want to see consistency, and unfortunately, all of those things conspired to happen where Zach only showed one good year. But a smart team, and this is backing up what you're saying, a smart team will see that growth, see what they have to work with and see his potential and draft him, and then he'll turn around and blow everybody out of the water. That can yeah. happen with all of these guys. And, and could mm-hmm. end up being a Tom Brady. Yeah, Zach Metzberger yeah. might be the next Brady. Yeah, but that, Jonathan, that's a great name you brought up, though, and we haven't mentioned him yet. Maybe we haven't got to it. I won't let you know that. But Metzberger, these SEC coaches – are quarterbacks, they're, they're the best coached, and I'm not saying this to be an SEC homer, and they play against NFL-caliber defenses week in and week out. I mean, look at the defenses that A.J. McCarron has played against in his career. Look at the defenses Mettenberger played against. Look at the defenses Murray played in. And, and you start talking about Carr at Fresno State. Well, I'm not buying it. I'm taking one of those three quarterbacks over Carr. I don't care where they're rated or who their dad was or anything. I'm looking at your IQ, and if you're playing quarterback in the SEC, Jonathan, you have a very high IQ. Well, you, you have to. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, and that's why when Purple brought up, what has Blake Bortles done? Well, if you look at Blake Bortles' uh, last season there, it's not like he was a slouch. I mean, he, he carved up a pretty good Baylor defense. Uh, you know, he, he went after South Carolina. Remember, that South Carolina game should have been put in the bag, and Bortles let, was leading them back. That Louisville game, they were getting trounced on before he showed that, you know, that that warrior, that warrior side of him and came back and led them to victory. You know, and I get it. Bortles, if he was six foot two, would nowhere be near the first round. His size is definitely a huge advantage when it comes down to it. But if you actually watch Blake Bortles and study him, he's a winning quarterback. That's what he wants to do. He wants to win, and he's coming out to try and win. And and that's what you got to love about him. Now, am I taking him number one overall? In all honesty, I'm not taking any of these quarterbacks number one overall. If I'm Houston, you shore up those lines. You shore up that offensive and defensive line. And then you go after a quarterback in the second round or a third round. You don't sit there and try and tell me, well, let's draft Johnny Manziel number one overall because, A, we know he's going to draw seats, and, B, you know, we know he's going to, and the money's going to flow, da 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 Well, Manziel's a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But if his, if his playing style is going to correlate to the NFL, I can't guarantee that. Because Michael Vick, everybody thought, was going to be the next greatest thing that ever hit the block. Michael Vick had no arm on him. And everybody keeps questioning Manziel's arm. I don't know why, but they do. And it's that run-around mentality. Because all it's going to take is one bad injury, and is Manziel going to change? Remember, he hasn't really gotten hurt hurt at A&M. One bad injury, and he could change his whole playing style. And that would be huge, hugely detrimental. Well, if you remember, Jonathan, if you look at his offensive line at Texas A&M, how great they were, but he still took a pretty mm-hmm. good beating because he runs the football. And Sonia, Cuervo, Jason, you can see out there, if he tries that crap in the NFL, he's not going to last four weeks. He's going to be like RG3. He's going to be on the sideline. He's going to mm-hmm. be busted. Oh. All he's going to take is one good hit. It'd be a big red target. Well, guys, I, guys I, I need to tell you all before we go right here, if you haven't seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner, go see it. It's it's worth the money, I'm telling you. If you haven't seen that movie, go see it. You'll love it. It'll get you ready for this draft. But I want to thank all you all for joining us tonight. 
and we'll be back on Sunday night. I appreciate y'all joining us on the panel tonight. That's some fun discussions tonight. It was great. Thanks so much for having us. And hi, Jonathan, or good night, Jonathan. Good night, Cuervo. Good night, Trey. Great conversation. Great topics. Great commentary as usual. Roll that roll. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. I gotta go back to work. So I'll talk to y'all later. All right. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Cuervo, Jason, Sonia, Trey. Great discussion. This was the best show in a long time. We appreciate it. Cuervo, join us Sunday night, man. We'll be back. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there, Tarvin. Thanks. All right. Well, y'all be good and have a great rest of the week. It's hump day. We're almost to Friday, and I can't wait to happy Easter if we don't hear till then. Take care, guys. All right. Night-night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.